Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash The Barn. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash The Barn. Hey, what's up? This is Tim from the Plain White Tees, and you're listening to the Pop Punk Pizza Party Podcast, sponsored by Fired. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty. Yes, you do. Times Square can shine as bright as you. I swear it's true. Hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance I'm right there if you get lonely Give this song another listen Close your eyes Listen to my voice, it's my disguise I'm by your side Oh, it's what you do to me Oh, it's what you do to me Hi, and welcome to the Pop Punk Pizza Party Podcast, live from the barn, sponsored by Fired. Got a whole crew in the house today. Got Keith, Justin, Tina Joe, Chris, and we're joined with a special guest online right now. We have Tim from the Plain White Tees. Tim, how are you, man? What's up, y'all? I'm doing good. What's doing really on, good. You are uh, coming into our town, St. Louis, Missouri, on the Fired Up 2024 tour, Thursday, February 15th at Del Mar Hall in St. Louis. Doors are at 7, shows at 8, all ages. General admission is 30 and $32 the day of the show. We're excited to have you in town, man. Yeah, man. Stoked to be back on the road and, uh, yeah, excited to be passing through. You guys are obviously coming out. Oh, the, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That is the plan. you all on the guest list. Oh, very Ooh. cool. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. We appreciate that. Very yeah, cool. Man. My question for you is, have you ever uh, been to Del Mar Hall or, or seen pictures or anything? Man... I don't think so, but there's there's times where I have to, with like my, <laughs> I'm pretty bad at geography, and there's times where I will go back into Google and search <laughs> plain white tees and then put in, you know, Prague, for example, and it'll tell me, oh yeah, you've been to Prague X amount of, X amount yeah. of time, and there's like spots around the globe that I, I just forget. That we went, yeah, you know, like. Well, uh, say as you're far in as the treat. venue goes, no, I, I don't know. Why is it like a cool, like historic one, or? Uh, it. I will say that it, you're just in for a treat. It's it's a good sized venue, but it's just also really intimate. It's a really chill, oh, okay, laid cool. back kind of lounge kind of feeling venue. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, great sound and lights too. Excellent. Yeah, it's Pretty a good, good venue. I wouldn't say there's a lot of history there. It's fairly new. Yeah, yeah it's but okay. five years or so. But I'm sure you've played the pageant next door to it. I, I want to say that okay. you guys have Absolutely. for sure. 
podcast. That, so that probably uh, sounds familiar, that, right? Yeah, yeah. Got a new album that you guys are on tour. You know, part of what this tour is about. It's been out since November. Really digging it. Fearless Records. Tell us a little bit about the album. Yeah, man. Cool compilation of songs. You know, Tom and I kind of tag team the writing on most Plain White Tees records. Him being the far more prolific songwriter. So on this one, I got one singular cut, which uh, I'm I'm cool with because I act, I'm a I'm a fan of what he came with on this album. I think you know before we started the writing process, he had kind of sat down with me and was like, you know, I really want to try to return to what people associate the sound of Plain White Tees to be. Some of that being pop punk, like all the way back to our early days. So there's tracks on the record that are are definitely pop punk influenced. And we really haven't done that for a long time. When I joined the band 20 years ago, it was a pop punk band. Or at least you would call it like pop punk alternative or something like that. I, you know, all of our influences were like, you know, Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. And, and then the bands that were in the scene with us was like Fall Out Boy coming up when they were even more pop punk. So he wanted to, to get back to that. And then he also wanted to really center the record around acoustic material, which clearly has become kind of the band's bread and butter. And sometimes we've neglected that, that angle, you know, like on our record that we put out last time, it was called Parallel Universe. And that record was like really synth heavy and kind of like electro pop. And he was kind of like, we got to, we got to re-zero the band back at what, where we came from and, and what we do best. So that was the angle for the, for the record. And uh, I thought he did a, a great job with the writing. So do you feel the songwriting process you know, kind of saying you're going back to maybe your roots or where it kind of started. Do you feel like it evolves and do you change it up quite a bit? Maybe even the sounds just to keep it interesting for you guys. Cause you guys have been doing this for so long. Yeah, man. I mean, of course it's gonna, you know, what you're listening to now, as opposed to what you're listening to back then, that stuff creeps in and, and you get affected by what is moving you musically. Right. So I think it's hard to just block all that stuff out and, and try to write as like, well, you know, I, I feel like Tom, for example, can probably sit down with a guitar and whatever he writes tends to be the plain white tees, right? He's got a pretty unique voice. And even if we change the style up a little bit, I think that he's recognizable enough. For me, it's a little bit different as like the secondary writer of the band. I sometimes feel like, you know, I'm, I'm writing and writing and writing and none of it feels like plain white tees. And then occasionally I'll write a song that that kind of leans towards what Tom does. And then I'll turn that into him and he'll be like, yeah, man, that sounds great. I'll I'll include that in our in our batch of songs for this record. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's got to be different for me than it is for him. You know, do you write with plain white tees in mind? I think I think sometimes I have to write with plain white tees in mind or I'll start an idea like I have an idea that I'm, I'm working on right now that is, is a song for my wife. And, you know, with that in mind, it's funny if the song turns out great and it's, and it's like a, a nice, well-crafted love song, then it'll probably end up on a tease record. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's see, we've got Hey There Delilah that worked of course, very well for the band being an acoustic love song for a girl that Tom was chasing after. 
And then our second biggest song was Rhythm of Love. And I wrote that song for an ex-girlfriend that I had let go of and was chasing after. And then Tom wrote One, Two, Three, Four, our third biggest song. And that was for his girlfriend, another acoustic love song. So it's like, you know, if, if I pen something and it's a great love song, it'll, it'll probably end up on a tease record rather than, you know, something else I'm doing. And you've made statements in the past that your songwriting for Plain White Tees, you felt you always had to make the next big follow-up hit. But however, during the pandemic, you had had time to focus more on solo work, and you expressed it was like having a blank canvas. Did that change your feeling on how you go about writing for Plain White Tees, your perception or process? What was weird about the pandemic is like, okay, the entire music industry comes to a screeching halt, and you there was moments where you're like, okay, like they said this was going to be a couple of weeks and now it's a couple of years and people aren't touring. And it's really like slashing into, you know, you know, the band, the band is an artistic outlet. And then it's also a business, you know, it, it is how we all feed our families and all that stuff. So without the band, it definitely made you think, okay, well I can write whatever. Cause I'm not really doing plain white tees at this moment. So I, I, I released a self, you know, an EP um, that was just like a solo effort. And that was, yes, that was writing from a totally different angle where I wasn't really thinking about plain YT stuff. And I also write country music. So I do that on the side as well. And that's a really fun, you know, side experiment where, yeah, because, you know, it's, that's a whole different animal than writing plain YT's music. And so, yeah, I, I do think, you know, there was a, there's a pretty big pressure and, and it's self-imposed when you think about how big Delilah was and how, mm-hmm. how amazing it is to have a song that big. Incredible, you know, to be dragged around the whole globe because people want to hear you play that song. And I was and, one of those people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we were on an airplane like every single day when that song was popping off and like incredible to have a song like that and incredible to to have a song that just feels like uh i don't know how you guys feel about it but like from from within the band i think that song's gonna get played in 2050 and i think it'll probably get played in 2060 you know it's like it just has kind of gotten legs where it's like i don't think it's gonna go away and I don't, I don't think that we have, I'm, I'm not sure whether we have other songs that are, that are going to be that way, but, but it does put that mindset, like put you in that mindset where you're like, well, it would be pretty great to write another classic song. <laughs> I'm sure every songwriter feels that way, but it's a self-imposed pressure, but it definitely makes you think like, well, you know, I cannot put out shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, right like you know uh, everybody likes to win man I, I like to win just as much as the next guy so that's always the goal when you're writing it's like i want to impress if it's a song for my wife i want her first and foremost to be impressed and to love it and if she does it's probably uh you know probably got something and then you know then impress the band and then if it impresses the band then it'll probably make it on a record and so you got um, you got we don't put out shit, so we'll we'll see <laughs> How does it feel to have a song as big as Hey There, Delilah, that inspired so many people in a way that people like me, that was the very first song that a lot of us learned how to play on guitar? Um, yeah, man, I'm, I didn't write that song, but I am proud. I'm, I'm really proud of Tom. That's, that's kind of like the uh, sentiment that I have the, the most of. It's like, you know, 
in the smallest way, you're like jealous and competitive, but mostly proud, you know, like anytime, like there's like a, like that's, that song just finally streamed a, a billion uh, times. Jeez. Like that's kind of one of those moments where like I get to pat him on, on the back, even though it's our band and we've been doing this for a long time together. It's like, that's incredible. It's funny that it's one of those songs that's everybody's <laughs> first on guitar. Cause it is kind of like guitar finger picking 101. And it is wild that, that a song that's that simple got as big as it did. Cause yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're like big, big Beatles fans and, it's easier to play Delilah than it is to play Blackbird, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, probably pretty pretty great towards the Plain YT's success. Uh, the fact that you and Tom have such a great songwriting relationship, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yes, and and we do. You know, we've we've co-written surprisingly a small amount for uh, for how long the band's been in existence. We tend to write separately, but but yeah, I think that especially as we've just gotten into like this phase of our lives, it feels like it's nothing but like cheering for the other person if if they write something that that impresses the other, you know, because um, now, you know, when I when I first joined the band, this, the band was Tom's band. He he was doing all the writing, 100 percent of it. It did take a little while for him, I think, to feel comfortable relinquishing like that seat for like a small amount of time. I never wrote a lot of songs for the band, but it, but there was times where I was like, okay, well, Tim's got the single this time around. So, and I'm sure that that was awkward at first, but he has definitely gotten to a point now where I feel like he's my champion if it's, if it's a good song. So yeah, man, it's an awesome dynamic. I'm really grateful that we have, you know, the four members that are in the band now are, are all just such big supporters of each other. So you hear about like nasty dynamics in bands and I'm, I'm so, I am very grateful that it is the way it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, grateful that you guys, um, definitely don't have, or you can still get along. So we still get music from you. So, uh, (laughs) so we appreciate that, but I'm going to kick it over to tour. Uh, so like in addition to the headline tour, the band is also appearing at the second annual When We Were Young Festival. How does preparation and performance dynamic differ for a festival appearance compared to like a traditional headline tour date? Well, I mean, for that one in particular, since it is a pop punk fest, you know, I think we we leaned into um, those early records a little bit, Ste- you know, steered. Dude, the, the crazy thing about that that festival is like, for us, it was 30 minutes, 30 minutes set. So that's seven songs if you are flying, you know? And one of them has to be Hey There, Delilah. And then <laughs> right, even sure. though it is a pop punk festival, we played Rhythm of Love oh, for yeah. fans of ours. I mean, like, you know, you step on stage and there was probably like, I don't know how many people, if I had to guess, that were watching us, but like maybe 15,000 or something. And you got to assume like, some of them want to hear the hit song. So, and then the rest of it, we tried to steer more pop punk, a lot of our older stuff. And then, and then we have a new record coming and some of it's pop punk. So we played, we played those songs and I don't know, in prep, the difference is that like, you know, when you guys see us play at the club, it's going to be what, probably 90 minutes plus, you know, 21 songs. So we're just pulling from, 
from all of our material and then probably playing a lot of new stuff to to promote the new album whereas when we were young was like we got to give the people what they want in a very short amount of time so a lot of russian huh yeah dude totally I mean, obviously, Hey There, Delilah is a huge part of you guys' story, but I, I don't think without the follow-up, the rhythm of the love and the one, two, three, four, were you guys ever worried about maybe even kind of being like a one-hit wonder? You know, that was really a thing back in the 90s and the early 2000s. Was that ever like a concern? I mean, I'm sure to a lot of people, we are. And I know that we're not, so it's comforting. But like, do you guys know who... Are you YouTubers? You guys live on YouTube like I do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, half the time. Okay. Do you guys know who Rick Beato is? Oh, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. Love okay, him. you do. Yeah. Yeah, I got an awesome like music channel. He's, you know, he does reviews about, you know, what what's going on in the top 10 on the, you know, Spotify charts or whatever it is. Yeah. And then does a lot of like, you know, really cool interviews, um, Smashing Pumpkins and stuff like that. But he does this series where he's like, the let's see what is it like the top 21 hit wonders from the 80s and top 21 hit wonders from the 2000s or whatever and number one spot of the 2000s was plain white tees oh no and i was about to message him and be like you son of a bitch we had three hits but at the same time like whatever man like we're, we're in the conversation that's fine it's fine like and i love his channel so we're gonna let it slide but <laughs> Say so you guys are far from that. You know, when we think about one hit wonders, one of my favorite bands from the nineties was Blind Melon. Oh yeah. Everybody thinks about No Rain and the B Girl, and I think the video was just as popular as actually the song. But if you actually followed their career, they were an outstanding band. And anytime I see them show up on a list, I really I get ticked off, you know, because they're one of my favorite bands. Yeah. They had other radio hits, right? They were probably just smaller ones. Yeah, so they had, like, Tones of Home. Um, oh, shoot, what's the one? Now, now I'm blanking. You got you called me out. Uh, I don't know any. Yeah, there was there <laughs> were there were a couple other. <clears throat> Damn it, they weren't a one-hit wonder. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean. Yeah, there was Tones of Home and uh, Change. The song Change, they played it on yep. Saturday Night Live. It was really great. Yeah, Change is great. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I just think about some some bands that get lumped into that, and it's just like, we're not a one-hit wonder. You just didn't continue to follow our career. There's a lot of great stuff there. You know, you have to continue being a fan. I just think it's pretty unfair to bands sometimes. Yeah, and you know what, man? Like the nowadays, I, I don't even know how you. You, I guess you probably can't get called a one-hit wonder anymore because no one's. There's hardly anybody working to radio anymore. Yeah, right. Like so many things that are a factor in what a what a hit is. I don't. I don't know how you would determine that whole thing, but. I mean, yeah, I, I don't feel like we're a one-hit wonder band. Uh, it's nice that, like, you know. You're not. It's the, very Absolutely close not. to being, like, a household name. You can say it to, like, you know, a soccer mom, and she'll probably know the name Plain White Tees, and <laughs> yes. so do kids. Yeah. So. Say we hinted with two hints, and uh, everybody figured out who we were interviewing. So I, pretty, I'd say pretty easily. Pretty well yeah. Even, yeah. even my 14-year-old daughter was, was stoked yeah. about yeah. Was, uh, getting to interview Oh, that's today. cool. Yeah. yeah, my kids are jealous that I'm here right now. So. <laughs> what's, up with, uh, what's up with the podcast? Have you guys done a lot of pop punk artists? Honestly, not not yet. We're this actually is... 15 episodes in, and you're our first you're uh, official break. official interview. Yeah. Okay. Had, okay. There you go. We've had guests on the show, but uh, never an interview like this. 
Joe's interviewed yeah, right. Afro Man, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a um, man. That I feel like that's a that's a good that's a good podcast concept. And pop punk is firing right now. So, well, if you have any friends that would want to come on, yeah, man, I we, do have some friends that would probably do it. We're listening. Yeah, I mean, I could probably get uh, my buddies from Yellow Card to do it. Oh my oh, god, yes, that, that would be a good one, I think, for you guys. So I'll talk to uh, my buddy Sean. Oh, that'd be and I know they're going on tour. Um, they're doing Third Eye Blind Yellow Card this oh. year. Yes, so. they are. Yeah. And they're coming to St. Louis, so that would make yeah. a lot of sense. We are part of there a, you go. We are part well, of a bigger network. But yeah, anything anything you want to throw our way, we will take it, <laughs> especially Yellow Card. Sure. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. And and He's check my, out the episode. So should be able to make that happen. Talking to the about the dynamic of our show, Chris has a question for you. Hey, Tim. Uh, so for the most important question of the day, if you could only eat one pizza for the rest of your life, what would it be? Like what's on it or yeah. where is it from or what? You can do both. both but, yeah. but, but what's on it, I think, is what's most important. Yeah, okay. So um, pepperoni, sausage, and jalapeno Ooh. Ooh. Oh, um, from Rusty's Pizza in Santa Barbara, California, which is where I grew up. The place slays, you know, because the band is from Chicago. I never lived in Chicago. I'm not like a Chicago style pizza guy. I mean, it's good, but I, that's not my thing. And so it's probably blasphemy to be like (laughs) Santa Barbara, California pizza, but Rusty's is, is killer. So yeah, Chicago's Chicago's not our thing either. Chicago's like a, like a pie. Like it's not a pizza. It depends on what you're talking about in Chicago. They have a, they have a, what all the tourists know, which is like the Giordano's. Lee Lee Magnella's or something. Blue Malnati's. Yeah. And then, and then they have the, the tavern style. And that's the, that's Mm. what all the, the natives will tell you is, uh, it's like a, you know, thin crust type pizza. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Santa Barbara's where it's at though. That's the spot. I'm with you. I don't live there anymore, (laughs) but, um, I want to get back or at least, you know, it's the spot. I'd like to. I'd like to own something there. Very Need cool, another yeah. hit. Very cool. Well, we have yeah. Tim from Plain White Tees. This is the Pop Punk Pizza Party Podcast, uh, live from the Barn Studio, sponsored by Fired. You are going to catch them and we're with us because we're going to be there too at the Fired Up 2024 tour Thursday, February fifteenth, Delmar Hall in St. Louis. Doors are at seven. Shows at eight. All ages. Thirty dollars general admission, and you're going to stream that new album, which is great. Out on Fearless Records, and it's a it's self titled record, right? This is, you guys have been it doing is this our first self. Yeah, been it took doing a long time to get there, but self titled. Yeah, usually that's like maybe your first record self titled. Like, <laughs> is this self titled? Yeah. So uh, thanks yeah. for joining us, Tim. We really enjoyed it. And we're going to catch you February fifteenth at Delmar Hall. Right on. Looking forward to seeing you guys in person. This was Absolutely. fun. Thanks, thanks for having man. me. Thank you for thanks, your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks buddy. Tim. All right, y'all. You have a good night. You, you too. too. Thanks. Bye. My head is stuck in the clouds She begs me to come down Says boy, quit fooling around I told her I love the view from up here Warm sun and wind in my ear Will watch the world from above As it turns to the rhythm of love We may only have tonight But till the
like a drum, a guitar string to the strum, a beautiful song to be sung. She's got blue eyes deep like the sea that roll back when she's laughing at me. She rises up like the tide, the moment her lips meet mine. We may only. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash The Barn. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash The Barn.